Welcome to the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics. Welcome back. Today we will be talking about anorectal malformations and with Dr. Mari Kirsten from the Pete Surgery Department and Steve Biko Academic Hospital giving us uh, an interview. Dr. Kirsten, what is anorectal malformation? Previously, people talked about imperforate anus, but long ago we realized that it's not only imperforate anus, that it's a whole spectrum of abnormalities after rectum and the anus. It could be high, it could be low. It could be uh, with a fistula, it can be without a fistula. And how common is the disease? The anorectal malformations are more common than Hirschsprung's disease, for instance. It is up to four in 5,000 births. And we started to record the anorectal malformations in our hospital in um, the past three years. And we already have more than 200 in, in our series. And the Hirschsprung's patients, just to give you an idea, we've got only 58 in the same period. Is anorectal malformation associated with any other congenital abnormalities or malformations? Yes, it's typically associated with a lot of other abnormalities. If you've got one abnormality, you've got to look for the others. Specifically in anorectal malformations, we see that it is associated with renal abnormalities and those could be anything from a single kidney, hydronephrosis, a double outlet system, ectopic kidney, uh, any of those abnormalities is quite common and then we also see sometimes cardiac abnormalities and those can range from uh, a PDA, uh, ASD or a VSD or quite complex abnormalities. An acronym used widely in, in the literature and the acronym is Vectoral. The V is for vertebral abnormalities A for anorectal malformations or other atresias, C for cardiac abnormalities, TE for tracheoesophageal fistula, which goes with esophageal atresia, renal abnormalities, and then the L for limb defects. What is the difference between a, a high malformation and a low malformation? I think the most important difference between a high and a low malformation is that in the high malformation, the whole of the perineum did not develop properly and the muscle complexes are not there, which means that the risk of being incontinent in a high malformation, it is more common than in a low malformation. If we look then at specific aspects, the high malformations is more common in males. If they have a fistula, it's a rectourinary fistula. The low malformations is more common in females and they present with a rectovestibular fistula. So where do you see the meconium then in the females? It's in the vagina. And in the boys, you'll see it at the tip of the penis and they will be passing meconium via the erythral orifice. Then if you inspect the perineum, 
in boys you don't find a fistula and in little girls if you look closely you'll find the fistula in the vestibulum that is in the posterior fourchette of the vagina or in the perineum. Are there different clinical signs between a high and a low malformation? Yes, with abdominal distension because these tiny or uh, fistulas don't allow enough stools to be passed. But in females, the little girls often don't have any bowel obstruction because they're passing sufficient stools via the fistula. And if not, in most cases, it's possible for us in the tertiary hospital to dilate that fistula so that they can pass stools until we've got theater time to repair them. How does the surgical management differ between the two types of fistulas? In the high malformations, we definitely need a three-stage procedure. So we'll start with a colostomy and then we'll wait until the children are older, at least five kilos, which is usually four weeks later, when we will do a contrast study of the distal part of the bowel. And in this contrast study, we'll be able to demonstrate a fistula and also see how far is this bowel going down. And that is important before the operation because we must decide, are we able to do the operation from the anus side, from the perineum, and that we call a posterior approach. We, we make a sagittal incision that's in the midline and then we look for the bowel, we bring it down and we do an anorectoplasty. If it's a very high malformation, it's not possible to reach the distal bowel from posterior. And then you have to turn the baby around on the theater table, first do a laparotomy, mobilize the bowel, then turn the baby back on his tummy and then bring the bowel down. Some years ago, we thought that we could prevent incontinence in these high malformations by making a small anus, but we realized that that doesn't help at all. So in those cases, we had to do anal dilatation on all the children. Now we tend to make the anus a little bit more lax and we only do the anal dilatation if it's necessary. And then when they dilate with Jäger dilators up to a Jäger 12 or 13, then we can consider to close the colostomy. Unfortunately, the majority of anorectal malformations are in boys, and the majority is then high malformations, which means the majority of our patients actually is incontinent because there's just not enough muscles in the pelvic floor to help with that. And then we'll have to do a bowel management program as they grow older to help them to be at least socially acceptable. In females with a low malformations, often it's not necessary to do a colostomy and we can just do an anoplasty or an anorectoplasty shortly after birth. If it's not diagnosed and then the babies are bigger before they present, then we prefer to do a colostomy so that when we do the anoplasty, we've got the cover of the colostomy to prevent infection.
also important is with the high malformations and they develop the obstruction, you need to refer them urgently. Don't wait even until the next morning. What would you recommend is the initial management of a patient, maybe in the periphery where an anorectal malformation is diagnosed, especially in boys? I think in all cases of anorectal malformation, but then specifically in boys, you should treat as a bowel obstruction. Keep them nulpuros, nasogastric tube on free drainage. Give them IV fluids to maintain their hydration. Keep them warm. Look for other life-threatening abnormalities and then refer to the pediatric surgeon as soon as possible. And what is the workup once the patient arrives at a tertiary hospital? We will then clinically evaluate this patient again, make sure uh, if it's a high or a low malformation. And with experience, you can determine this by looking at the perineum and the buttocks. In a high malformation, you don't have a proper gluteal fold and the gluteal muscles look almost if they're absent. So the buttocks are flat. We call that a flat bottom or a boat-shaped bottom. Then we know this is a high malformation and you definitely have to do a colostomy first. We will then do a baby cram to look for bony abnormalities in these babies. What is a baby gram? It's just an x-ray of the whole baby. And because they're so small, it's possible to take one single x-ray. If you find any abnormalities on that one, for instance, of the spine, then you will go and do more specific x-rays to evaluate them. Are there any other investigations you do looking for congenital anomalies? We always do a screening sonar, look specifically at the heart and the kidneys, but also the rest of the abdomen as well as the brain. In some cases, we need to do an invertogram. If we in doubt if this is now a high or a low lesion. How are invertograms done? So these babies need to lie on a triangular pillow. They've got to be older than 24 hours so that there's time for the air to go to the highest point. And then you take just one shoot through x-ray and then you can measure the distance from the skin. So you've got to mark the area where the anus is supposed to be, measure from there to where you can see the air in the bowel. And then there are some measurements to help you decide is this now a high or a low malformation. Do you have any points that you would like to highlight concerning anorectal malformation? I think in a newborn child, it's really important that you don't discharge before the baby passed the meconium. And even if you see meconium, it doesn't prove that there is an anus. It could come from the penis or from the vagina. You should be equipped before you leave the medical school to examine a newborn baby from the head to the toe to look for abnormalities. And if you don't think about it, you won't look. And if you don't look, you will miss abnormalities. It's really important to do a proper thorough evaluation of a newborn baby. Don't forget to check the anus. Is it there? Is it in the normal position? And does it have a normal configuration? 
Thank you very much for another interesting podcast. This edition of the Students of Surgery podcast has been produced by TuxFM. Visit www.tuxfm.co.za for young, fresh and relevant content. That was another edition of the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics. 